Justin Shears and welcome to Only a Northern Song. In this series, I'll be exploring the words and the music of the Beatles, but not through the usual tracks that we all know so well. I'll be delving into my extensive collection of outtakes, home recordings and demos, alternate mixes and interviews, to shed some new light on lesser known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy. I'm sure millions of people have asked you this, but now I will ask you for the millionth and one time about three years ago, you said we will certainly not be 30-year-old Beatles. Well, what's going to happen then in three years' time? Are you going to become <laughs> stones or something? <laughs> Possibly. Uh, well, look, actually, we said we don't see ourselves singing She Loves You at 30 with the actual quote. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Page John. 49, chapter 2, verse 3. Sorry about that. So we won't be singing She Loves You at 30, but whether we're singing Wakiki Waki Woo or something, that's another story. a great story. title. Mm, you like it? Yeah. The dawning of the new year of 1968 heralded a multitude of changes for the Beatles. It would see a lengthy trip to India, a new double album release, several fresh singles, the launch of a brand new company and record label, and a divorce. During this year, the Beatles would begin to slowly drift apart, each following their own hearts and ideas, both personally and creatively. George was the first to step outside of the Beatle bubble, travelling without the others to India on the 7th of January to take part in recordings for a new experimental psychedelic movie about an eccentric scientist turned peeping Tom, which included a female character called Penny Lane, probably not a coincidence. Wonderwall would receive mixed reviews from the critics, but would provide George the opportunity to pursue his love of Indian music. While in Bombay, he would also oversee recording sessions for a new Beatles track, inspired by the teachings of both Greek and Indian philosophers. Plato said, as for me, all I know is I know nothing. And that's what it is, you know, the more you learn, the more you know that you don't know anything. Like this. the take and uh, straight away. The only thing there is coming from the slow piece into the fast piece, but it's all got to come in very quickly and right on the, the beat. Second one, you join. Second one, okay. Yes, yes. I followed. Because the singing, just, yes, the singing goes da 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 and stops, and then you go da da da. This you last Last 
And can we not have one, two, three, four on it? Can you have to signal quietly? So we, if we have a clean, hold uh, it. An early take of the backing track for The Inner Light, the first Beatles track recorded in 1968, which would eventually find its way onto the B-side of the Beatles' first single release for the year. John's creative juices were also flowing over the Christmas and New Year break from 1967 into 1968.
From the depths of John's home studio, early composing tapes and demos of Cry Baby Cry, a song which would later emerge for the Beatles' White Album a few months later. Sessions got underway at Abbey Road Studios on the 3rd of February 1968, an offering from Paul being the first to be committed to tape. The idea came from a sort of Madonna and Child that you, that you see. This was, it was to be a song about mothers bringing up kids, kind of a tribute, you know, how do they do it? I mean, really, how do they do it, you know? Um, and that was the idea, you know, that's, that's what the lyric says, you know, Lady Madonna, baby at your breast, wonder how you managed to feed the rest, you know? How do you put it together when all these various things are happening? A funny thing I noticed recently is, it, in the lyrics, it has every day of the week, except Saturday. For some reason, Saturday vanishes. I guess it must have been a party night. Because if you listen to it, it goes, Friday night arrived without a suitcase. Sunday morning, creeping like a nun. So, I mean, it must have been a real good Saturday, I figured. He's just creeping around like a nun. One, two, three, four.
Take two of Lady Madonna, a purely instrumental affair at this stage, with just Paul's honky-tonk piano and Ringo's brush snare drums. Take three would become the master, with overdubs of Paul's bass and Ringo's drums then added, as well as John and George's guitar parts. Paul's first lead vocal was then recorded, and then it was time for the boys to gather around the microphone for some fun. Think should be marmite flavoured ones. If you guys in, start. Do like I don't like marmite. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Madonna. For the promotional film, though, we just, for the promotional film, we just didn't have, we don't have us in it. Have all people like pantomime dames and everything. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo! We passed a bit. Yeah. Can you go back, Ken? One, two, Reconstruction of Take Three of Lady Madonna, complete with scat vocals. The song would undergo several more changes in the coming days, including the re-recording and scrapping of a new lead vocal in favour of the original version. Luckily, Paul's first vocal had been preserved on an overdub reel, as it had been wiped from the original tape to make way for his second attempt, again illustrating the frustrations and dangers 
of being limited to four-track tape. In their true competitive style, John brought a new song to the studio the very next evening, which would give Paul's latest number a run for its money. There's many songs I forget, you know, that I do like. I like Across the Universe, too, because it's one of the best lyrics I've written, you know. In fact, it could be the best, I don't know. You know? I mean, it's one of the, the best, uh, it's, it's good poetry, you know, or whatever you call it. Without, without tune, it, it stands. Without song, without, see, the ones I like are ones that stand as words, you know, without melody. They don't have to have any melody. You know? It's a poem, you know, you could read them. That's your ultimate criterion? No, it's just the ones I happen to like, you know. I like it when it, when I like to read other people's lyrics too, you know. Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither wildly as they slip away across the universe. Pools of sorrow, waves of joy are drifting through my opened mind, possessing and caressing me. Dance before me like a million eyes They call me on and on across the universe Thoughts meander like a restless wind inside a letterbox They tumble blindly as they make their way across the universe
shades of life are ringing through my open ears, inciting and inviting me. Limitless undying love which shines around me like a million suns and calls me on and on across the universe. The enchanting Take Two of Across the Universe, recorded at Abbey Road on the 4th of February 1968, featuring John on acoustic guitar and vocals, and George on Swamendel. Work on the track continued with the recording of several more takes. Once they had arrived at Take 7, it was decided that female voices were needed for the track, but where would one find female singers at this time of night? The simple answer could be found outside the front doors of Abbey Road Studios, where 17-year-old schoolgirl Gaylene Pease and Brazilian tourist and superfan Lizzie Bravo, the likes of whom were dubbed Apple Scruffs by the band, were patiently waiting outside to catch a glimpse of their idols. Paul came out and said, can any of you girls hold a high note? Yes! And straight away... Lizzie and myself said, yes, yes, we can, we can. <laughs> and then Mal Evans, who was the roadie, came out and uh, asked us to go into the studio. Both Caitlin and myself were very calm because we were used to seeing them every day. If we had never seen them before, we both would have fainted. Four Beatles, George <laughs> Martin, you know. And they made us yeah. feel relaxed. Yeah. John said, both of us have to sing into this. And I said, okay. So I got close and then he said twice, closer. And I, yes, John. And then he said again, closer. And John was here. I couldn't move. I, my, I was paralyzed. And my heart was beating so hard. I thought, it's going to come out in the mic. Kelly, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you were supposed to be at home. What did your parents say? Well, I had to phone them in the break and say, I don't know whether I'll be home at half ten. And they said, you will be. <laughs> <laughs> did you say, I'm singing with the Beatles? I, I did, yes. What did they say? <laughs> they were quite strict. They weren't really impressed <laughs> by that. <laughs> You're right, Richie. <laughs> Words are flowing out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither wildly as they slip away across the universe. and caressing me
across the universe Thought me under like a restless wind inside a letterbox They tumble blinded as they make their way across the Mono remix of Take 8 of Across the Universe, complete with Gaylene and Lizzie's vocals, as well as an overdub called Hums Wild, a track of all four Beatles humming and then overdubbed three more times, similar to the abandoned experimental ending for A Day in the Life, recorded almost exactly a year ago to the day. The song would undergo even more overdubs, including the addition of sound effects of birds, Across the Universe was a strong contender to be the next Beatles A-side. Another project for the new year was a brand new feature film, seen by the Beatles more as a contractual obligation than a creative outlet for the group. Are there any plans at the moment for a full-length film? Mm. What is the petition? The contract we signed with United Artists was for three films, two of which we've done, the third one. The thing is we can do it any time we want. We haven't so far done the film because we didn't want to make a film just to make some money. We wanted to do a film that sort of might mean something to either us or to the people who will go to watch it. So the thing is, over the last year or two since Help, we've had thousands of ideas, but they've all been Help and Hard Day's Night revisited. It's no good. We've got to have something good. How we visualize the film it's got to be at least the difference between 
help, the song help and Sergeant Pepper, as the movie's got to be that progressed too. So we haven't made it until we feel it's right. The first thing when we heard people were going to do a cartoon, have a, a man who sailed to sea and went to the land of submarines, sounds like a pretty good story, go down under the water, see this thing, meet all the people who live there. But we were into kind of psychedelic stuff with Pepper and those kind of things, so they wanted more of that kind of stuff. Um, so it was up to them anyway, so we went along with that and they had all the sea of holes and all that stuff. Which I think, seeing it now, is pretty good. You know, it, it's quite interesting really. Yeah, I like the film. I think it's a classic film. I, I'm not sure why we never did our own voices, but, but probably the actors probably did it better anyway. You know, because you need it to be more cartoon-like. You know, our voices were pretty cartoon-like anyway, but, you know, the exaggeration that you've got with the other actors' voices. I think it suits it. To say that the Beatles were unenthused about starring in a new movie would be an understatement. They were not keen to relive the gruelling schedules and time on set experienced with The Hard Day's Night and Help, but they knew that the film had to be made and that they had to appear in it. A loophole was found. What if the film was animated, with actors voicing the Beatles' parts and the lads themselves only needing to make a cameo appearance. This sounded like a plan to the Beatles, and they gathered at Twickenham Film Studios to film their very short appearance for the end of the movie, now sporting very different looks to the Sgt Pepper era Beatles that would feature in the film. The animators and voice actors would then work their magic. Tumor. I can't seem to get it out of my head. Don't shake it. That's what we've been doing all night. Oh, yeah, it was a great party. Oh, and we brought back lots of lovely souvenirs. Here is the motor. And I've got a little love. And I've got a hole in my pocket. A hole? Well, half a hole anyway. I gave the rest to Jeremy. What can he do with half a hole? I fix it to keep his mind from wandering. <laughs> hey, look at John, will ya? What's the matter, John, love? Blue meanies? Newer and bluer meanies have been sighted within the vicinity of this theatre. There's only one way to go out. How's that? Singing! One, two, three, ah! Yellow Submarine, set for release in Britain in July 1968, would largely feature a hodgepodge of older tracks by the Beatles, with a few rejects from the Sgt Pepper sessions thrown in for good measure. Such was the Beatles' disinterest in creating bespoke tracks, as they had done for A Hard Day's Night, Help and even Magical Mystery Tour. In fact, only one song recorded in 1968, the year in which the film was actually produced and released, would make it into the movie.
Okay, boys. John's original home demo and take 10 of the backing track for Hey Bulldog, featuring John on piano, Ringo on drums, 
George on guitar and Paul on tambourines, recorded in Studio 3 on Sunday the 11th of February. A swift series of overdubs ensued, which would see the song completed in this single session, including Paul's Reckenbacker bass part, snare shots from Ringo, and the lead guitar solo, played by either John or George. Vocal duties then fell to John and Paul, whooping it up in the song's coda. Isolation mix of Hey Bulldog, the only song specially written and recorded for the upcoming Yellow Submarine movie, the sequence for which would ironically be removed from most prints of the movie, 
and not reinstated until its DVD re-release in 1999, almost 30 years after its initial release. The day's work in Studio 3 was captured by a film crew, the intention being to create a promotional film for Lady Madonna, which, by this stage, had been chosen as the A-side for the Beatles' first single release of 1968. The footage, which clearly didn't match the sounds of Lady Madonna, would be re-edited 30 years later to accompany Hey Bulldog, finally giving fans a precious glimpse of the Beatles at work in the studio. George's The Inner Light, the first song attempted in the new year, which had also been completed in this first week of February, would duly take its place as the new single's B-side. Across the Universe would be shelved until the following year. Well, that's it for this episode. Next time, we travel to India with the Beatles as they turn off their minds and delve into the world of transcendental meditation with the Maharishi. Until next time, 